you for joining us today here at Victory. At Victory Church, we are a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. Join us as we begin today's message. Um, I was just thinking, there's probably many within our congregation or those who visit from time to time that have a lot of problems, that are suffering from things that they don't even share with us because they're so private. Um, let's keep those people in mind and uh, realize that a lot of people do not talk about their problems in their life to, to each other. Um, in my quiet time, actually yesterday, uh, this message really touched base with me uh, because it was personal to me. Hopefully it'll be personal to you because it is a personal message for all of mankind. Um, watch the news, nothing new, mass murder, uh, sex trafficking in the news, suicide in the news. Every day in our community, people are arrested for methamphetamine, opioid addictions, and the crimes that go with that. Um, Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, floods, um, people doing unseemly things that you can't imagine. And it seems to get worse, and it seems to get worse. And, of course, that's prophetic because the, Jesus tells us it's going to get worse before his return. Um, but, you know, in the midst today, there are many of us that may have issues of the soul, that our soul has not been redeemed by the Savior because we haven't come to the foot of the cross. There are also many of us that have come to the foot of the cross, but we need to hear about what the cross does again. And look at the sinless Savior of the world and what He did for you and I. And Him is an example of us once again needing to bow to the cross and being transformed and understanding that Jesus is our example in life. Today I want to talk to you about the centrality of the cross. In other words, why it is central to our faith. That day on Calvary when Jesus went to the cross and died for the world and its sins, that day there was a dramatic change in the world. That is a day to be noted. Even to the unbeliever, that is a known day. For those who say that Jesus was only a man, they're aware of that day in Calvary, that day on that cross. They're aware of what happened or they're aware of that story. But God brought this true-to-life story for the sins of the world. The centrality of the cross was important. The cross, if you do not know, and I won't imagine that everybody does know because I found out in this congregation there are people that just don't know some of the basics. That's because you've never been around it. The cross was a death penalty. It was for murderers and thieves and religious blasphemers. It was the worst of crimes. It wasn't new during the Roman Empire. It was done before. It was the most horrible form of death a person could be put to. They were hung on that cross. Nails were driven through their hands, they were driven through their feet. The pressure of hanging like that smothered them. It was a place for 
thieves and robbers and people to look at them and ridicule. It was put up there for all the rest of the people to see that you better not do those things because if you do those things, this is what's going to happen to you. You're a criminal and this is what happens to criminals. So the cross and the death on the cross was not new to the people during that period of time. But our Lord and Savior had to die on a cross as if he was a criminal, as if he was a thief, as if he was a blasphemer. And he had to die a horrible death. The cross was something like you see here that Adam was kind enough to make for us. But there were also two other kinds of crosses. There was one that looked like an X, and there was one that looked like a T. But this is the cross of the symbol that the church began with and that we stay with. And Jesus, when he went to the cross, his hands were nailed to the cross beam. And his feet were driven with gigantic nails into his feet. He went for a horrible death. But that cross is symbolic of much more. It's symbolic for the death of the sins of the world if you'll only come to him. Before I get started this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to touch our lives. Oh, Father God, we thank you that we can come here today and worship you and give you praise, give you honor and glory. We recognize your Holy Spirit's presence. And we ask, Lord, that you bring those tongues of fire down on our hearts and lives. Bring the Holy Spirit into us. As we listen today, open our spiritual ears and our spiritual heart. Remove the callous. We ask that you remove the speaker from his personality and that you speak through him to the listener. And the listener only hears your words as to not see the speaker. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, Jesus. To live as we are, to be tempted in every way that we were tempted, to live life as we lived life. And we thank you that he was submissive to you, Father, to accomplish the mission that you gave him, to be a sacrifice for the sins of the world and all them that would believe. We thank you for the shed blood, and we ask for that shed blood to cover us today. We ask that we are able to see what you would have us see. And for all those, Lord, that do not know you, open their eyes of their heart and their mind today to see that, that they've never surrendered their life to you, to your grace and your mercy, to those, Lord, who are your called out ones that have surrendered. Help us see an example of how our life is to be submissive as Jesus was submissive. Have him be our example of how to live the Christian life, relying upon you and your spirit. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and if you don't want to use your Bible, you can look on the, the screen today. We're going to start out in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. 
1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. The Word of God says this, For even hereunto we were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again, and when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For we were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. May God bless the reading of his word. The cross is God's standard for men. God's standard. When you think of a standard in school, for example, the standard to be perfect is 100%. And that's without a, a, a curve, so to speak, where if you really make 78, the teacher curves it up just because you showed up for class. Or you have a class that's got a standard to make 100, and you can get extra points and make 106, 110, or what have you. God doesn't grade on a curve. God doesn't give extra points because you quite can't meet the standard. The standard for God, for you and I, was a sinless life. A life without sin because God cannot see sin. God cannot look upon sin because God is a holy God that cannot be even be in its midst. And the standard for a Savior had to be an absolute sinless nature. And Jesus was just that. He was born of a virgin. He walked the world just as you and I walk. He grew up as a child and he wrestled and he fought and he played games. And he probably had arguments with other children. And he was a boy. And yet as he grew as a young man, I'm sure there were women around him. And yet he was without sin. The Bible says that there was no guile in his mouth. In other words, he didn't talk bad about other people. There wasn't one thing in his life that he did that was considered God's eyes as sin. He was able to overcome because he relied on the Father. Because the standard that he had to set out to die for your sins and my sins was perfection. And he was called the sinless Savior because he did just that. It even says he was tempted in every single way that you and I have been tempted. How have you been tempted? Let those thoughts come to your mind now in every way that you've been tempted. Those sins that you haven't done but only of the heart, but those that you actually acted out. The Bible says that he was tempted exactly like we, and he overcame. He became the sinless. That was the absolute sinless standard was a requirement, an absolute submissiveness. Verse 23 says there, who, when he was reviled, reviled not. 
When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself that he judgeth righteously. In other words, his submission, he was committed to go to the cross to die for you, to die for you, to die for you, to die for you, to die for me, to provide for the whole world to those who would accept him. He was committed, he was submissive to the foot of the cross. That was God's standard. He could not change his course. It even says, though, in Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, if there's another way, because he knew he was going to die and it was going to be a horrible death, show me the way. But not my will, but your will. He was submissive to God the Father and what his mission in life was because it was necessary, because God had a plan a way to bring humanity back into the fold where the shepherd had his sheep, and that was through the submissiveness of the Savior, of the person of Jesus Christ. He died for you and I, and he could have called his angels out, the Bible said, and been removed of this terrible death, but he submitted to what was necessary to die for us. In the book of Isaiah, let's turn there real quick. Isaiah Chapter 53, verse 7. Let's look at the prophecy that Isaiah the prophet talks about. In verse 7 there in verse chapter 53, it says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened up not his mouth. He was beaten. He was oppressed. He was called many names. He was whipped. He was whipped with a whip in the end, had bones or pieces of metal. He was striped. It was so gross and strong that it could rip the skin off you. It could pull your eyes out of you. And he said not a word. He didn't revile his enemies. He didn't call those who beat him names. He did. He was completely submissive to what God the Father had asked him to do. The cross is God's salvation for men also. Not only the standard, but is the salvation. The Bible teaches us there is no other way to the Father but through the Son, Jesus Christ. It's not through Buddha. It's not through the Hindu. It's not through the way the Muslim. It's not through any other way. You cannot ever be good enough. Just try for one hour in your life. Try for one hour in your life to do everything correctly. Control every negative thought, every thought of lust, every thought of theft, every thought of you don't like that person, every thought of gossip. Just try for one hour. Because that's the standard. That was the standard. And there is no way to be saved except the person of Jesus Christ. The cross is God's salvation for man. Verse 24 back in Peter. Second Peter says this. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree. That's the tree. That we, 
being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. You are delivered from the penalty of sin by what Jesus Christ did, the beating and the stripes that he took. Now you can live righteously because it's not possible on your own. He did it for you. You only have to accept the cross and what Jesus did and the blood that he shed for us. It also is deliverance from the power of sins. It says in that same verse there in Peter, Now we are dead to sins so that we can live unto righteousness. And now what that means is we are no longer controlled by sins. We no longer have to try it on our arm because God will come into our life and we are now because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he looks at you in your sinful nature, he no longer sees it. He sees Jesus Christ as a silhouette in front of you. That's how it's done. You can't strive for it. You can't do it on your own. It's been done for you. And all you need to do is to come to the foot of the cross and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. It also is a deliverance from the poison of sin. Sin is a poison in your life. Look at all the problems you've made for yourself. Divorce, remarriage, divorce, sexual immorality, homosexuality, bisexuality, theft, gossip, murder, hate. The poison of sin has destroyed us. All the problems we have is because of our sinful nature and us acting out sin in our life. But by the cross, by applying the blood of Jesus Christ to your life, what He did at the cross that day removes the poison and the sting of sin in your life. God no longer sins your sinful nature. Your sins are forgiven from the past, the present, and what you will do in the future. Because God's amazing grace made it that way because you and I are not capable of being satisfactory on our own because we were born into sin. Our ancestors, Adam and Eve, fell in sin and made mankind on a journey, but God made a way. He called the Savior to the cross for you and I to come to the foot of the cross and accept what Jesus has done in our life. There's spiritual healing. It says there in verse 24, by whose stripes you were healed. His beating, that whip with those bones and that metal. It was a horrible beating. Every time these big, huge, athletic men struck the whip, it ripped skin off Jesus. It tore eyes out. It ripped hair off. It destroyed parts of muscle. It was a horrible way to be prepared to be hung on the cross. But by His stripes, you have spiritual healing. Because the blood that came out of Him was shed for you and I. This is why Jesus died. He died for you. Because He loved you so much. He loved me so much that he was willing to do and commit himself to this horrible death 
so the sins of the world could be forgiven for all those who would believe and receive him. The cross is also God's satisfaction for men. God's satisfaction for men. It says in verse 25 of Peter there in the second chapter. For ye, meaning us, were as sheep going astray. But are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. We've been wandering. Maybe some of you have been wandering. You've been wandering from a long, long time now. And you're tired. You're wore out. You've been running from the Lord because you think you've got to do something to give something up. Because you don't want to give it up. You really don't. But God's giving you an opportunity today to give it up. To quit trying to doing things on your own. Quit having poison in your life. The poison of sin. He's asking you today to return to the bishop, the shepherd of your soul. You have a soul, I have a soul. And it will spend one of two locations the day you pass away. According to the scriptures, you will be with the shepherd, the bishop of your soul, or you'll be in a place called hell. For all those that would not come to the foot of the cross and accept the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace that he's given to you in your life. Don't be one of those people. Every opportunity you give to accept Jesus Christ and your Lord and Savior can be the last. It could be the last time you hear the gospel of Christ. Come to the foot of the cross and accept him. But for those of you that have come to the foot of the cross, take an example of what Jesus did being submissive in your life. What else can he do with your life that he wants you to do? Your sins have been forgiven, but sometimes you need to be reminded of the grace of God in your life. This satisfaction that God does for us, the shepherd restores our soul in this satisfaction. I'm going to go to a very familiar passage, the 23rd Psalm. He restores our soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 3, he restores our soul. Has sin destroyed your life? Has sin destroyed your family? Is the poison of sin killing you today? Is it destroying your soul? You don't have to allow it to go on anymore. 
you can return to the shepherd who restores you. When you have the shepherd as your Lord, you don't want for anything anymore because your soul is restored. You lie down in green pastures. You got plenty of relaxation. You know where you will go the day you pass away. You lie beside the still waters. You've got peace in your life. You've got hope in your life. That the day you pass from here, that it will, you know you will be with a bishop of your soul. And you no longer have to be concerned. Do you have peace? Do you know? Are you certain that if you die today, that you'll go to be with the Father? Is God giving you a yes in your heart? Or do you have, I'm not sure. Sometimes we just need to know and come to the foot of the cross and let Him restore your soul so that you too can lay down beside the green pastures and the still waters so that He can lead you in a path of righteousness. And it says He leads you in the path of righteousness not for you, but for His name's sake. Because you see, it's all about Him and His Word. He sent the Son who was committed, submissive, to go on the journey to complete the task that had been given to the Son, Jesus Christ, since the foundation of the world. And it was just for you. If you were the only lost sheep in the fold, Jesus would have died a horrible death on the cross for you. The shepherd preserves your soul. John chapter 10, verse 28. John 10, 28. The Bible says, I will give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. This is Jesus talking. Jesus preserves your soul. Once you've truly given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and allowed His blood to cover you in His amazing grace, when you've quit trying to strive on your own and saying, Father, I can do this on no longer. I have been wrong and I want to come back home. You cannot be plucked back out again. You cannot lose your salvation. Your salvation is preserved. Your soul is preserved. And you can live the righteous life that Jesus Christ died for. In other words, God will teach you how to live it. You can step out in the faith. You no longer have to worry about your soul. You no longer have to worry about your eternal destiny. And you can come to the foot of the cross and know Jesus Christ because you know when you come that His Word is true and that He will do exactly as He said. In closing, I want to read to you some scripture. And this is to you today that do not know the Lord Jesus. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How do you accept the Lord Jesus Christ? You come to the foot of the cross in repentance. It's a turning around. Lord, I've been doing this all wrong. I feel you tell me I need you. And you're walking this way on your own. And now you turn in repentance and say, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but I want to accept your Savior as my Lord. He will help you. He will help you every step of the way. Isaiah 55, 6 but says this, Seek the Lord why he can be found and call upon him while he is near. Is he near to you today? He can be found. But that implies while he can be found. That implies to me that there may be a day he no longer calls you. There may be a day you're no under the gospel preaching and given an opportunity to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Is this your day? Have you sat here for a while and, and, and thought about it, but just haven't stepped forward? Step forward today. As the worship team comes forward, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I'm also going to give the opportunity for those who do know Jesus as your Lord and Savior as a moment of recommitment of your life, as an example of what Jesus did as he submitted and committed his life to do as the Lord asked him to do. You can come forward today and any other reason you need to come forward for prayer. But if you don't know him, please don't leave here today, really. Because you don't know if this is the last time he can be found.